Hello, my rebels. Aren't you in for a treat for today? I'm going to sing you a song. I'm going to sing you a song in Russian. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to play a Russian rock video sung by someone who's an even worse singer than me. So you're probably thinking, I don't want to listen to Ezra singing. I just don't want to put my through that punishment. Well, you'll listen to the actual Russian singer first, and I will be like relief. Um, before I get to that part of the podcast, I'd like to invite you to become a Rebel Premium subscriber. If you go to the rebel.media slash shows, you can do that. It's eight bucks a month. And what do you get for that that you don't get for free on the podcast? You get to see what the show looks like. And like I say, this rock video, my friends, you got to see it. That's all I got to say. You got to see this rock video with your eyeballs, not just your earballs. It's eight bucks a month to become a premium subscriber. Do it. Do it. All right. Here's the show for your earballs. Tonight, Vladimir Putin's state broadcaster joins Trudeau's state broadcaster in mocking North American ethical energy. It's May 30th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government is because it's my bloody right to do so. I came across this on Twitter, and I know there's a lot of junk out there. I mean, this is really just some random liberal journalist, one of a thousand, just pumping out boring vanilla leftism from a cubicle in Brooklyn, probably. Anything anti-Trump, anything cynical, any, never a patriotic thought, never an original thought, and God forbid, never a dissident thought. This is, uh, this is the tweet here by Ryan Cooper. It says, actual Trump administration, quote, Increasing export capacity from the Freeport Liquid Natural Gas Project is critical to spreading freedom gas. <laughs> freedom gas! He said, he said gas! Or I don't know, what was that the funny part or was the freedom part? I think it's the gas part. I think that's the junior high school level humor here. Yeah, he said freedom gas. There's a wonderful and exciting world out there when we discover that we don't need TV to entertain us. <laughs> he said, ain't us. <laughs> entertain us, ain't us. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I don't know what was so funny. Um, maybe the joke was the gas part. Maybe the joke was the freedom part. Which is odd because the town in question from which the LNG will be exported is called Freeport. There are a lot of cities and towns called Freeport, actually, and the name absolutely has to do with freedom. But I guess freedom, it's such an old-fashioned, you know, old white male thing or something. Again, I'm not quite sure what the comedy here was, but this tweet linked to this article in a left-wing website owned by the Washington Post. The left-wing website is called Slate Magazine. I'll read a little bit. I'll just read the headline there. It says, the Department of Energy is now calling fossil fuels molecules of freedom and freedom gas. That's what they said. Now, right away, there's a photo there. You see that photo there? Let me, let me read the caption on the photo. From now on, this is known as a freedom flame. It's actually a natural gas flame in New Mexico. So there's a lot to laugh at. I, I guess to them, the word freedom is funny. Um, 
say the people who enjoy the greatest freedom in the history of the world, the freedom never before enjoyed by their ancestors, a freedom so longed for by most people in the world to this day. But it's funny. I mean, freedom, that's so Trump, eh? He's so stupid. These are people who make up phrases about solar and wind power being clean energy, even though um, solar and wind power often need rare earth metals that are mined in the dirtiest mines in the world, in China. And wind turbines use steel, which cannot be made without coal. So the liberal left makes up words for wind and solar power. They call it clean power, which is not true. But they hate when Trump uses the word freedom in natural gas that is made in a free country. No surprise there. Let me read this story. The Trump administration loves fossil fuels, but apparently has decided that they need some rebranding. Or so E&E news editor Ellen Gilmer discovered Tuesday when she opened up what should have been the world's driest press release. Yeah, I guess anything real, you know, oil, gas, tankers, exports, real life, actual people who work as opposed to just type on Slate website, is dry. The people who prefer doing journalism, like the top 10 moments where the Game of Thrones was just like real life in high school, or top 10 ways to argue with your right-wing uncle about trans rights at Thanksgiving dinner. So I guess real life stuff is dry by comparison. Now, Slate links to the actual government press release. Let me read from it a bit. This is the press release from the Department of Energy. Department of Energy authorizes additional LNG exports from Freeport LNG. Now, I'm going to read a paragraph, the one that they mocked. I, I liked it, actually. Now, remember, LNG stands for liquefied natural gas. So the, the gas is fracked. That makes tiny little cracks under the ground to release the gas. It's pumped to the surface. Now, they cool the gas to make it into a liquid, which is way smaller in, in volume. So they make it extremely cold. It makes the gas turn into a liquid. And then they put the liquid on ships and they sell up to places like Europe, displacing the conflict energy that they import from Russia and OPEC countries. That sounds pretty great to me. And it's what we would be doing in Canada by now if we didn't have a substitute drama teacher blocking anything with carbon in it. So here's the story. Approval of additional LNG exports from Freeport LNG furthers this administration's commitment to promoting American energy, American jobs, and the American economy. Further, increased supplies of U.S. natural gas on the world market are critical to advancing clean energy and the energy security of our allies around the globe. With the U.S. in another year of record-setting natural gas production, I am pleased that the Department of Energy is doing what it can to promote an efficient regulatory system that allows for molecules of U.S. freedom to be exported to the world, said Assistant Secretary for Fossil Energy Stephen Winberg, who signed the export order and was also in attendance at the Clearing Energy Ministerial. So that's, that's hilarious, I guess, but it, but it really is clean energy. If you care about carbon, which I, I don't really, other than I like carbon, because like you, I am made of carbon. Uh, carbon in the form of natural gas burns more cleanly than, say, coal. I like coal, too. And yeah, natural gas from America, <laughs> I, I said gas, guys, is cleaner morally than gas from Russia or OPEC. I mean, it's all the same molecule, but, but it's ethically cleaner. You could call it ethical oil. It's ethical gas. They say freedom gas, same thing. This is huge news, actually. You know, America, I, I had trouble believing this because I've been studying American oil and gas for about a decade since I wrote Ethical Oil. America used to be a huge importer of energy, the largest in the world. Now America is a net energy exporter. 
What a change. A change even from Obama, who threatened to shut down coal, uh, blocked a lot of oil drilling, whether in the Gulf of Mexico or in the Arctic. And if he could, he, he would have shut down natural gas fracking too. Trump is full tilt on all of these plus coal. So I guess, I guess it has to be f- fart jokes or something. Let me read from the Washington Post own slate again. And now it's the Trump administration's official line, as one of my colleagues put it, spreading freedom gas. <laughs> Sounds like what happens when you're newly single and suddenly you have the apartment to yourself. Oh. Which raises the question, did the Department of Energy mean to make a fart joke in official statement? Or are we just lucky the world may never know? Hey, guys. Now, you, you might be wondering, why, why am I telling you about all this stupidity? Well, because as always, the Washington Post slate is in sync with America's enemy. Just to get back at Trump or, or, or whatever. Because look at this. At, at the exact same time as the Washington Post's slate writers were bashing, ha ha, they said gas, the, the concept of freedom gas, which is surely what they would call it in the Baltics, in, in Poland, in Ukraine, which are right now at the mercy of Vladimir Putin's state-run gas company called Gazprom, because Gazprom has actually turned off the taps for the natural gas as a political weapon in disputes with Ukraine, for example. They've cut off the gas several times in the dead of winter. And when they do deign to ship the gas, they charge extortionate prices when the taps are on. Yeah, I, I bet the people in Ukraine and, and Poland and Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, places like that, I bet they would call gas from Donald Trump, freedom gas too. And I'm guessing they're a little bit too busy defending their freedom from Putin to make fart jokes. He said gas. But but one of Putin's state broadcasters called Russia Today, RT, I I actually follow RT because they have interesting takes uh, if you discount for their Putin bias. Now, they have several different Twitter accounts for social media memes. And um, so RT... Putin's broadcaster did this tweet. This is from Russia. Introducing Freedom Gas TM, the latest in American ingenuity from the U.S. Department of Energy. And then you can see the hashtags are molecules of freedom. And they had embedded in that tweet this short video. I'm going to show you the whole thing. So this was produced by Russia. Take a look. From the men that brought you Freedom Fries comes a new product with those same American values. Freedom gas, exporting U.S. freedom, molecule by molecule. Freedom gas, freedom liquefied. Buy American, stay free. Stay gassy. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy. Are you okay? Now, they're a little bit stupid over there um, because they think that gas, as in natural gas, means gasoline that you pump at the, at the gas station. Um, but that was their attempt at being funny, I think. Now, they thought it, it, was, it was funny. Here's a follow-up tweet they did. How's that for true American genius? Real Donald Trump in your face! Yeah, they, they thought they were pretty funny. 
I mean, America is pretty awesome, let's be honest, and I'm saying this as a patriotic Canadian. Um, they were just mocking American things, like beautiful women in bikinis shooting guns. Now, that's actually not my style. It's a little over the top for me, but it is actually a lot of freedom, isn't it? I mean, there are no women in bikinis allowed to go out in public in Iran or Qatar or any other OPEC countries, are they certainly not allowed to shoot guns? They're not even allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. So yeah, America has its excesses. Uh, but tell me which country you'd rather be in as a woman, Saudi Arabia or a country that lets you wear a bikini and shoot a gun? I guess America just can't be as classy as uh, Russia and Russia today when it comes to gas videos. Talk about class. Here's the boardroom of the uh, Putin-controlled company called Gazprom, yeah, that's their style. It's like Studio 54. It's like the Sopranos plus Vegas plus third world thugs. But that's the biggest natural gas company in Russia, Gazprom. It's 51% owned by the Kremlin, uh, just uh, like that Twitter uh, account video is owned, controlled by the Kremlin. Can I show you a Gazprom video, though? This is an official, real Gazprom video. Did you know they, made a, they have a music video? They have an official song. Wouldn't that be weird to have like an official song at, you know, I don't know, Petrocan or something? They have, a, they have a professional soccer team, Gazprom does. Isn't that funny? Like, like a real team that people go and watch. It's owned, it's like the Gazprom team. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the soccer team in a moment, but first, can I play for you a full two minute of Gazprom's official music video? This is real. Now, the singer here, the one with the tone-deaf voice, which is why I'm only going to subject you to two minutes of it, because I, I, I like you. I don't want to hurt you. So I'll only show you two minutes of it. The singer here is Vladimir Tumayev. He's a senior Gazprom executive. He, he, he helps run this gas company. Now, he wrote the song. That's a warning sign. He performed the song in the official company music video. You're darn right. Not a single one of Gazprom's thousands of employees dared to say, uh, excuse me, boss, maybe we ought to hire a professional singer. Are you kidding? You tell senior executive of Gazprom he's not good enough to be in a rock uh, video, uh, you're going to sleep with the fishes. Okay, here's the Gazprom music video. I'm only going to subject you to two minutes of it. I swear this is real. I'll, I'll come back in two minutes and I'll tell you what it meant. Take a look. В России не была и нет надежнее Газпрома. Мы дарим всем тепло и свет для офиса и дома. И от рассвета до темна. Давайте помнить будем, работа наша всем нужна. И в праздники и в будни. Давай за нас, давай за вас, давай за весь российский газ, чтобы не кончался, чтобы был, хоть нелегко дается. Давай за нас, давай за вас, давай за весь российский газ, за всех, кто из земли добыл искусственное солнце. Нас в мире знают по делам, и тема всем знакома. 
что все в порядке будет там, где люди из Газпрома. В России не была и нет надежнее Газпрома. Мы дарим всем тепло и свет для офиса и дома. Давай за нас, давай за вас, давай за весь российский газ, чтобы не кончался, чтобы был. Хоть нелегко дается. Давай за нас, давай за вас, давай за весь российский газ, за всех, кто из земли добыл искусственное солнце. Давай за нас, давай за вас, давай за весь российский газ, чтобы не кончался, чтобы был, хоть нелегко дается. I know you thought that was two hours. That was just two minutes. But I bet you know the words, Davaiza vas, Davaiza mas. Let's drink to you, let's drink to me, let's drink to this Rasiski gas. It's, it's a Russian drinking song. Ofisa yidomai, and the officer at home. It is a drinking song. Everything in Russia is a drinking song when you think about it, including the very dangerous industrial work of drilling for an explosive natural substance. Let's have a drinking song. Sung, sung by a tone-deaf senior executive for Gazprom that nobody in that whole... I mean, to, to writing the song, producing it, making the video, probably 100 people were involved in that. And not one of them dared to say, ah, hey... Can we just try out some professional voice talent? Are you kidding me? So yeah, Russia today, they're all class, unlike Americans calling American energy freedom energy. Hey, can I read to you, just because it's fun. This was in my book, Ethical Oil. Can I read to you a little bit more about Vladimir Tumayev? It's so great. Like I said, Gazprom has a professional soccer team. It would be as if Petro-Canada owned the Calgary Flames or something. Like it's a competitive team. It's a real team. And Vladimir Tumayev, besides being an outstanding oil and gas executive and a rock star, he's also a soccer team manager. And you know he's almost as good at that as he is at, at singing. And here's my favorite part, and you know this is true. He insisted that he be a player on the team in their matches too. This was in his 40s or 50s. And he's going to play with these 20-year-old professional athletes. And again, you, you're going to tell him, no, boss, it's not a good idea. You're a little bit old. I like you. We play. No. Let me read to you this, all right? Look at this. He is most known for actually playing for his team, making his professional debut at 45 years of age and playing well into his 50s while his team was playing on the second highest level of football in Russia, Russian First Division. He would usually come in as a substitute close to the end of the game, which was already decided. He played his last professional game so far in the Russian Second Division on October 29, 2005 against FC I think I said that right, on the last day of the season, scoring a goal in a 3-2 victory. His penalty kick was saved by Neftekimik goalkeeper, who was later sent to Gulag, but he scored on a rebound. He was 58 years, 10 months, and 19 days old on that day, making him the oldest professional soccer player ever in Russia and possibly Europe. And let me just say, uh, that goaltender who let him score 
was a very, very smart man. Hey, pro tip, if you're ever golfing with your boss, let him win. If you're ever playing poker with your boss, let him win. And if you're ever playing soccer, if you're this fit professional athlete, 20 years old, and you're playing goal, and this 55-year-old guy with a bit of a punch comes huffing and puffing, and maybe even hear him say, the vice of us, the vice of us, and he comes and kicks that thing, let it go in. Good for your career. Good for your safety. Yeah, one day, the United States of America will be as classy as Vladimir Tumayev and Gazprom and Rasiski Gas. You know, I understand why Russia is mocking Freedom Gas, because Freedom Gas is displacing Russian Gazprom Gas and OPEC Sharia Gas, big time. They hate it. It doesn't just take money away from Gazprom and OPEC. It takes political power away from them too. You can't have an Arab oil shock if America is oil independent. They, they can't hold European countries hostage anymore, can they? Look at this. This is from the CIA World Factbook. It's the list of countries by natural gas reserves. Russia is number one. Iran is number two. Qatar is number three. America is fourth, thanks to fracking. And then look, Saudi Arabia, Turkmenistan, United Arab Emirates, Venezuela, Nigeria, China, Algeria, Iraq, Indonesia, Mozambique, Kazakhstan, Egypt. Canada is in 17th place. America is the only good guy in the top dozen countries. I don't know what God was thinking when he was handing out natural gas, but he gave it to the world's worst countries except America and a little bit to Canada too. And Donald Trump is pumping and drilling and fracking and mining as fast as possible. And thank God he is. Jobs for Americans, energy independence for the country, freedom imports for the world's democracies, now dependent on OPEC and the Russians, taking market share away from dictatorships. What's not to love? I mean, I know some fool at the Washington Post slate makes some fart jokes, <laughs> he said gas. And our own fool, Justin Trudeau, has done his best to stop our own LNG freedom gas, just like he stopped our ethical oil from the oil sense. But for the rest of us in the real world, this really is great news about freedom gas from America, isn't it? Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, censorship and deplatforming doesn't just happen online. It happens in real life, too. In fact, often leftist thugs threaten violence to any theater, any meeting room that dares let a conservative or even just an alternative voice have a get together. And today, the current victim of deplatforming is our friend, Fella McAleer. He's a playwright and a filmmaker, and he's got this great idea called verbatim theater, where in particular cases he has actors read out actual lines from transcripts in court or historical events of great controversy. It's not fiction, it's just selected readings from the truth, from real life. And so he had pledged to go ahead with a, a play called FBI Lovebirds Undercovers. It was about the FBI uh, lovebirds, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, who conspired to undo Donald Trump. It was a reading of their text messages that were revealed 
and he had two big-name actors lined up for it. Dean Kane, known to many Americans as having played the role of Superman, and Christy Swanson, who played Buffy the Vampire Slayer. These are not minor actors. This is a great story. Well, it was all set to go until, well, I'll let Fellum himself tell you what happened. He joins us now via Skype. Fellum, great to see you again. Welcome to the show. Did I accurately describe your play called... Um, FBI lovebirds, undercovers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's their text messages, their glorious lover uh, uh, anti-Trump text messages. But also, what we've done is they were grilled for a couple of days uh, in private congressional hearings. The transcripts of those have just been released. So I've melded their text with the grilling they got about those texts and their pathetic defenses of them. Uh, so I mean, yeah. So. And then, you know, we were all set to the play. We had a venue uh, booked in D.C. And the thing was, we we're going to film it and release it online afterwards. Uh, it was just them reading their text, acting out their text, uh, acting out the, the Q&A from, from congressmen. And, you know, they didn't, the, the resistance didn't look well. You know, they, they, they were obviously plotting to undermine Trump. As, as Trump says, they were, you know, struck at one stage says, when it looked like Trump was going to get elected, we need to start the insurance policy. And that's when they started the Russia investigation. Uh, at one stage, Page says, he's not going to get elected, is he? And, and Strzok says, no, we will stop it. This is the head of FBI counterintelligence right. saying we're going to stop a, a, a democratic decision. So we were all set for this very interesting play for releasing online. Then on Tuesday, got the word from the theater in D.C., we are canceling your booking, even though we have a signed contract, because we don't like the truth, because they can't handle the truth. Well, I, now I want to zero in on this. I don't think the theater has an excuse to cancel it. If they were getting violent threats from Antifa or whatnot, the proper answer is to work to get security, either Washington, D.C. police or even private security, you can fix a security threat. It's Washington. It's one of the most highly guarded, highly policed cities in America. There's a way to solve a problem of a threat. Did they throw you under the bus? Was it a real threat or was it the theater themselves that got cold? The only, the only threat that exists, the only threat that exists is one guy on Twitter who said something and when he was called out on, he deleted the threat. That's it. Story over. Now, this is an excuse by cowardly hypocrites, by the theater set, who, who keep giving themselves awards for bravery. Yeah. They keep telling themselves how brave they are and give speeches about how brave they are. No, you're brave. No, you're braver. I'm braver. No, you're braver. And then the first, and, and you should read the uh, studio theater, the Mead Theater's uh, website. You know, we're going to challenge ideas and challenge assumptions and bring fresh ideas. And the first time somebody challenges assumptions, the first time somebody makes them think again, they are cowards. Yeah. They are hypocrites. Well, and it's this not, is who they are. And it, you're, you're not even doing anything that isn't, A, already in the public record. That's the whole brilliant idea behind verbatim theater is you're bringing to life selected excerpts from actual testimony. So you're, you're um, democratizing what can be sort of a, you know, a, a, a dense legal matter. You're, you know, Dean Cain, I'd, I'd go see Dean Cain do anything. He's Superman in my mind, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So you're not even doing anything uh, other than portraying the truth as spoken by these people. Who could possibly object to that? 
<laughs> well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Portraying the truth is a dangerous occupation. Yeah, I uh, in so. America these days, it doesn't get you very far, apparently. Uh, yeah, as, as Dean Cain said, uh, he said he hasn't spoken much about this play, but he did say, I look forward to playing Peter Strzok in the words, uh, no, as written by Peter Strzok. I look forward to playing Peter Strzok as written by Peter Strzok. Exactly, we're adding nothing, we're not adding any drama. It's not based on a true story, therefore a lie, as, as that often is. This is actually the true story. This is what they said when they thought no one was watching, and it's not pretty. Huh. Now, we've had our challenges with deplatforming too. Sometimes we try and toughen up our vendors in advance, saying you might get some mean tweets, and sometimes they stand firm, sometimes they wobble. Did you tell these folks that it might be spicy in advance? Did they just want your money or, or, or did they, well, how did this happen? I mean, it's pretty clear, FBI lovebirds undercovers, pretty clear what the subject matter is. How come they agreed to it in the first place if they turned out to be cowards? Well, here, I, I was just a fool, I guess. I just read their website and believed them that they were going to challenge ideas and challenge assumptions, you know. Um, I'm joking there, by the way. Uh, I think, you know, it's a bit like Ferguson. When I did the play Ferguson, which, is, again, was verbatim based on the grand jury testimony, uh, the actors arrived thinking that anything about Ferguson would automatically be a lie and tell the story of, you know, tell a lie that Michael Brown was shot by a murderous cop. When, when, when the eyewitness evidence quite clearly showed the opposite, and that's what we're reading. And when they got to the rehearsals and saw the truth, they ran a mile. Remember, nine actors walked out of the Ferguson play hmm. uh, during rehearsals. So, yeah, so I think what happens is they see FBI undercovers, FBI reports undercovers, and think, oh, this will be about James Comey's honorable fight against, you know, Trump or right. Mueller's fight against Trump or whatever. And then when they see the truth, that it's based on actual text messages, when they see, they don't want that out there. They don't, I mean, they really don't want it filmed and distributed online. That's why they're trying to shut it down. Well, let me ask you this, because, um, you know, there's a lot of politically correct censors I would imagine, unfortunately, that many theaters and artistic groups are the same way. They're, they're overwhelmingly left of center. But Washington, D.C. does have a Republican side, an independent side. I mean, heck, there's ambassadors there, there's embassies there from every country in the world, many of whom are controversial. So <laughs> there are ways that, you know, dissident ideas like yours can get out. Do you, do you think there's an alternative venue? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if Donald Trump himself said, I want to see that play. You can play it in the theater at the White House. I mean, I don't know if you well, can do that, but is there some other way to do it? We're hoping, we're hoping that Donald Trump will do that, actually, and it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. Oh, the he Trump just, Hotel there. I've, it's a beautiful hotel. We're, we're checking out all these options. I mean, the Trump Hotel is very, very expensive, yeah. and that's one thing that this, this has done is really has pushed the costs of this through the roof. Yeah. We're hoping the Trump Hotel, we're, we're hoping the White House, I mean, a few weeks ago, Trump showed the Gosnell movie in the White House. It was the first political movie to be seen in the White House oh during his administration. I did not know that. That's amazing. Did Trump himself oh, yeah, yeah. see it? He didn't come to the screening, uh, but I met him afterwards at the Trump Hotel. He, you know, this is it was the first movie, uh, first political movie that they've had in the White House was Gosnell. So he's open to this kind of, uh, you know, stirring it up. And I'm hoping that uh, he, he will come on board this time as well.
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I say again, listen, your work is outstanding, even with talent that's not world famous, but I'm impressed. Uh, Dean Cain and Christy Swanson, I mean, I, I'm not a stargazer, but those are serious names that a lot of people, like that. that is a Trump caliber event. I hope he does the right thing. And wouldn't that be amazing if the Mead Theater were, was the censor and Donald Trump was the one defending the First Amendment? That would be incredible. Last word to you, Phelan. Well, that's the way it is nowadays. The, the, the tolerant ones are really the intolerant ones. I suppose I need to ask your, your listeners, and I always know, I always see a lot, we've had a lot of donations from Canada. I see them coming through. Go to fbilovebirds.com, give a donation, help make this happen, you know, help stop the censors, buy a ticket. I, I mean, uh, when I had Ferguson in New York, a couple and their daughter drove from Ottawa to New York to see Ferguson. So uh, people are very welcome to fly into D.C., drive to D.C. from Canada. I know you have an international audience. So fbilovebirds.com, give it a can, buy a ticket. Let's let's get the truth out and let's stop the cover up. Well, that's very exciting. Let me ask you for one more detail. FBILovebirds.com will certainly put that on screen. Uh, you say buy a ticket. Does that mean there is a show that people can come to or is that to be decided later? Oh, no, the show is going ahead. The show is going ahead. June 13th, 7 p.m. in D.C. If we have to do it on the theater outside, uh, on the pavement or sidewalk, whatever you guys call it, sidewalk outside the studio theater or the meat theater, we will do it there and, and shame them. But it is going ahead in D.C., let me tell you. Well, uh, Phelan, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear it, and I like your confidence. June 13th, and, and it's at 7 p.m., did I hear you say that? That's correct. And the, uh, the location will be decided later. Well, Phelan, let me tell you, uh, as you've just told me this seconds ago, we will send one of our roving reporters, Kean Bexton, right. to cover the event wherever it is. Not only cool. to cover, I mean, he'll review uh, the play, and maybe yeah. if you could put in a good word with the boss, we could get a, a few moments with Dean Kane and Christy Swanson. But just as importantly, he'll review the political situation. So I will buy a, buy a ticket right now for Kean Bexty, and he'll be there in Washington. And good luck to you, Phelan. Well, thank you, Ezra. Listen, your supporters have always been great supporters of ours and always helped us out. So. Uh, we're always we've got a great welcome to anybody from Canada who wants to come. All right. Well, that's a deal. Great to see you, my friend. Thanks. Keep up the fight. Thanks, All right. All there best. you have it. One of the great freedom fighters of our era who's in a particularly tough battlefield, that of arts and the entertainment, Fella McAleer. And uh, we will send our reporter. i got to check with Kean if he's available, but I'm sure he will be. So you heard it first. June 13th, we'll be covering that from Washington, D.C. All right. Stay with us. More Head on the Rebel. Hey, welcome back on my show yesterday from outside the Alberta legislature in Edmonton. John writes, Notley is gone. Damnatio memoriae. Erase everything she did. Ez appreciate the visit, Ezra. We need you and Sheila to keep on top of the issues in the West. No carbon tax. Hey, uh, thanks for saying that word, damnatio memoriae. Um, I know it's an obscure thing and people are probably tired of me saying it, but I think it's the exact concept. We need to, it's like a giant reset button. It's like start, every, it's like wipe your, you know, there's a button on your cell phone. You can wipe out everything, wipe out your computer, wipe out your hard drive, just remove everything. That's what Alberta's got to do after four years of the NDP. I truly believe it. Bob writes, 
You spoke of NEP appointees being paid severance to go away. All across the country, whether it is provincial or federal changes of government, Canadian taxpayers are on the hook for millions of dollars in severance pay. Why are these appointees not given a finite agreement that ends with the fall of the political party that appointed them? These people are just being paid back for their support of that political party. Well, look, you have to pay some severance to people, otherwise you're never going to get anyone to work for a government. It would be just too inherently risky. Um, and, and I'm not even talking about a number of the permanent bureaucracy. I'm, I'm not saying fire, you know, a frontline person working at a desk in the, I was going to say the motor vehicles department, but that was privatized number. I was going to say the liquor stores, but that was privatized number. I'm not saying, saying fire, you know, a, a ground level nurse, let's say. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all the tens of thousands of political appointees. Sack them. You know, pay it a severance. It's a, it's a cost of doing business. But get rid of them. Get rid of them. It's a one-time penalty payout of saying, get rid of them. Chris writes, about once a week, I call or email my MP or MPP about an issue I was made aware of by you and the Gang of the Rebel. Frequently, I'm asked about where I got this information. Often, there are two or more sources of information about any issue. Would you prefer that I mention the Rebel as often as possible? Well, Chris, I mean, whatever uh, is the actual source of your information, and what you're saying is you have several sources, I mean, sure, mention the rebel. Uh, it, I appreciate that. Uh, sometimes that can cause a liberal MPP or a liberal MP to close their ears and harden their heart. But I like to say, I like to think that most of our rebel reports have a lot of proof points in them. And by that I mean if I say something verbally, at the same time I like to show you an excerpt from a document or a photo or a video clip. I think rebel reports are well documented and we have had literally thousands of access to information requests we filed over the last five years and we've published hundreds of them uh, in full. So I think that if you uh, refer to the rebel, you will be doing yourself good in terms of authoritative citation. The only question is if it's a hard-hearted, closed-minded, intolerant liberal, would that just make them stop listening to you? And that I can't answer. Well, folks, that's the show from today. It's good to be back in Toronto. I've been flying around too much. I was in Manchester, England. I was in Edmonton. I'm just here for a couple days straight. I'm going to have like a whole two days in a row here in, in our world headquarters. And uh, hopefully I can take a break. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Um, a little bit of Russian, it's true. And I actually am not a Russia hater. I mean, I, I think Vladimir Putin is an authoritative bu authoritarian excuse me, bully. Um, I don't think he is the... Um, menace that China is in the world or Islamism. In fact, I think Putin has been uh, a better ally than others in the war against ISIS. I think we need to be uh, careful of Russia and stop its territorial ambitions in places like Georgia and Ukraine and the Baltics. But I think, ironically, the Democrats and the leftists who have been in Russia-phobia for the last two years, they actually don't care about Russia in Ukraine or Georgia or the Baltics. They never cared when Barack Obama and George W. Bush let Putin devour those parts of Europe. They only use Russia as a tool to beat uh, Donald Trump. I've been criticizing Russia since I wrote the book Ethical Oil a decade ago. All right, folks, that's the show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom and freedom gap.